Hello, this is Father Michael Eads from the Toronto Oratory, and you're listening to Lexio et Oratio, a short spiritual reading podcast followed by a reflection. Mother Teresa, come be my light, the private writings of the Saint of Calcutta, Chapter 3, Continued. Wilt thou refuse? At the time she wrote this letter to the Archbishop of Calcutta, Mother Teresa was already a person of considerable holiness. Still, as self-sacrificing and courageous, as generous and compassionate to the poor as she was, on her own initiative, she would never have considered leaving Loreto to found a new religious community. But the inspiration was so compelling that she could fail to heed the voice only at the steep price of being unfaithful to her deepest love. Initially, she found herself intimidated by these extraordinary experiences. Troubling thoughts arose in her heart, questioning her own capacity to meet the demands of this new call. She exposed with absolute honesty her fear, her confusion, her reluctance to embrace the hardships and suffer the derision of others that were sure to follow. Not everyone in the church or city would approve of a European nun living outside the convent walls in a desire to identify with the poor in their local culture and conditions. She grieved as well at the prospect of leaving Loretto, even offering to be a real victim of his love where she was. In all this, she showed herself to be so ordinary, so real, and even skeptical of her ability to carry out such an important mission. Yet Mother Teresa, passionately in love with Jesus, could not ignore his voice that kept insisting, Wilt thou refuse? This piercing question had a particularly compelling effect on her heart because it echoed the secret vow she had made four years earlier. Jesus' plea, like no other, had the power of stirring her inmost being. God was honoring the magnanimity of her soul, and his call evoked at one and the same time joy, because she was being taken at her word, and pain, because she felt challenged, seemingly beyond her capacity. After the initial struggle, Mother Teresa remained resolute in her conviction that God was calling her to this new life. By the time she wrote to Archbishop Perrier in January, she was clear about what she intended to do. She was innovative in her proposals, ready to burn myself completely for him and souls, giving her whole being in response to his call. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Angels of God, our guardians, dear, to whom God's love commits us here. Ever this day be at our side, to light and guard, to rule and guide. Amen.
Most sacred heart of Jesus, teacher of teachers, have mercy on us. Saint Philip Neri, child of Mary, apostle of Rome, vessel of the Holy Ghost, pray for us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. When we hear the word real victim, what should we think about? Well, as Catholics, we should think about Jesus. He's priest and victim. He offered the great sacrifice, and he was the victim that was offered on the cross. Normally, the priest and victim are not the same. The victim of the sacrifice, the thing, that is the thing offered, is usually in the Old Testament an animal, some other thing. And the priest is the one who offers it. But Christ is both priest and victim. But he also becomes the saving victim, the spotless victim at the Mass, in which he renews his sacrifice, his self-offering throughout the ages. He perpetuates that one single self-offering, which he anticipated and symbolized and made present at the Last Supper. And we continue to symbolize and perpetuate and make present down through the ages. Why? So that we can be joined to him, so that we can offer up Christ to the Father and offer ourselves, even offering ourselves as a victim. The priest has the power to consecrate, to bring down instrumentally the body of Christ, the blood of Christ on the altar, lay them there before the Father. But every baptized person including Mother Teresa, has the ability to offer this sacrifice through the hands of the priest and, as it were, with him. So we are a priestly people by our baptism, but we're also supposed to be offering ourselves, even as a victim, as someone substituting himself for others. And this is what Mother Teresa is echoing in this idea Okay, she tells Jesus, I don't have to go and do this thing into the poor. I can just be a real victim of your love where I am. I can surrender myself. I can do everything you ask. I can suffer. But our Lord says, I want something more. And so we never should forget when we're reading this whole thing about Mother Teresa, the centrality of the Mass for her. And when she considers herself a victim of his love, that's done with Christ, in Christ, through Christ at the Mass. And this is why she insisted that she and the sisters had to go to Mass every day, not just to receive communion, but to offer Christ to the Father in the Holy Spirit and to be offered with him. All their sorrows and joys, all their distresses, all their sufferings, all their necessities, but even themselves as a kind of victim. And this is what Mother Teresa is trying to encourage us to do. She's encouraging us to make the Eucharist the source and center of our life, to make it the pinnacle, the most important part of our life. We will never be able to imitate Mother Teresa if we don't start with the Eucharist. The same Christ that she received, we receive. 
Now, what Christ continually asks of her and of us is, will you refuse me? In every generous step we take, he accepts, and then he asks us, what next? Let's go farther, you and I, let's go farther. And will it be a struggle? Yes. Was it a struggle for mother? Yes. Why was it a struggle for her? Well, we've seen. Look at all what people are going to say to her inside the convent, outside the convent. And not just that, what they would say. She also didn't even know fully what they would say. The whole struggle of having to tell them, having no clue what the reaction will be. Having people ridicule her for the vows that she made. Isn't she breaking her vows? And what are you doing, this European going to go live as an Indian? Why are you? How, who do you think you are? And what's her answer? Her only answer is, I don't know. This is what the Lord asked of me. <laughs> I'm going where he asked me to go. And is it not this what we all have to say as part of the church? It's not our church. When we stand up for things, when we honor the Eucharist above all, when we insist on certain things about our faith, we're not doing it because we think it's a great idea, first and foremost. We're doing it because it's Christ's church. And this is the way he set things up. And this is the way we have to follow him. Make disciples of all nations, Jesus told the apostles, teaching them all that I have commanded you and baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Lo, I am with you always to the end of time. Jesus is with us because we're baptized, but he's with us through the end of time in the Eucharist. And we have to cling to him in the Eucharist because he told us to. Unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you have no life within you. Take this, all of you, and eat of it. So as we're going forward with Mother Teresa, let us always remember her Eucharistic spirituality. Like the Eucharist, she was being transformed. Like the Eucharist that she received, she was becoming transformed into Christ. And that's what made her so compelling. And that's what made people want to follow her. Because they really believed that Christ was in her. and was acting in her. And little by little, if we stay close to the Eucharist, God will make something beautiful out of our lives too. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.